Hello, airheads. Back. It's Friday. It's another Love is Blind recap. Episode 5 this time. Stuff is getting spicier, getting heated. The drama is never-ending, per usual with reality TV, though, because, hey, that's what literally makes reality TV. So, Let's just get right into it. Waste no time. We waste no time here on the Ginger Spice and Everything Nice podcast. So yeah, let's kick it. So we start off with Danielle and Nick. Nick has returned back from the meet and greet where everyone met each other and that was chaotic as fuck. And I just want to mention that Nick is such a gossip and I love it. I relate to it. I am Nick. Nick is me. We would vibe. We're just gossipers, and I love that. Such an important aspect to a relationship, because it's really annoying when a guy, like, can't gossip or, like, thinks gossiping's immature or doesn't want to hear about it, doesn't want to talk about it. Like, no. I want to know everything. I want to tell you everything. Like, I want a mutual gossip relationship. That is what I'm looking for. Um, but yeah, so he comes back to the room and Natalie is not so, or God, did I say Natalie? I meant Danielle is not pleased, not pleased. She doesn't clearly start off upset, but it quickly becomes very obvious. Um, she had to stay in while he went out and obviously that would suck. She's clearly suffering from a case of FOMO. It happens to us all, but her insecurities quickly are coming to light, just like her trust issues, feelings about herself, and clearly she's not okay with being separated, it feels like. And that is very concerning because, you know, as adults, you're not going to be with each other probably all the time. And it quickly turns into like a yelling match, a very toxic environment. And to be honest, I thought they were truly fighting over nothing. Um, I get she may have been annoyed, but it just escalated a lot. And they seemed fine the next morning, but this could quickly become a bigger communication issue. In fact, I 100% see it becoming a communication issue. So I'm definitely worried about their status, like going through the rest of this. And then one random thing I wanted to note is they have random balloon animals everywhere. And I'm not sure, like, what this has to do with. Like, does one of them know how to make them? Not quite sure, but I don't know if that's just me. But if you look closely, and it's only Danielle and Nick, they just have, like, random balloon animals just scattered about. Very weird. Not sure what to make of that. Then we turn to Malin Sal. (laughs) You know my favorite. (laughs) That was sarcasm, if you couldn't tell. Anyways, Sal seems to have recovered from the night before. He's no longer sobbing, but I still feel so hard and deeply for Sal in the sense that he really deserves someone who can reciprocate all the love that he's giving, and Mal definitely is not capable of that, as we can see, and it's really ironic because she's talking about how she has no problem or no issue calling people out like she'll do it to anyone in anywhere and blah 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 blah. and it's ironic because she's the one that needs to be called out the most she's the one who's made a mistake and it's 
you know, no acknowledgement there, not shocked. Um, it seems like they may be in a better place, but I really don't trust it. I think she genuinely wants to like Sal and wants to be happy in this engagement, but I feel like she actually hates him (laughs) and she wishes he was Jarrett. And it's sad because he's saying he's so lucky and it's horrible because she's not really appreciative or respectful in their engagement and it's horrible to watch. Um, and the last thing, of course, is that giant pole falling on his head was so tragic, and it just made me feel worse for him. I was like, this guy can't fucking catch a break. Then we move over to my actual favorite couple, (laughs) Ayana and Jarrett. They're just so goofy. I love it, but it would also break my heart into a fucking million pieces if he started reverting like back to his feelings for Mal and it seems like that was totally skipped over like they didn't really talk about it in their conversation however they did talk about other important things obviously and it did turn out in the end to be a very healthy like deep conversation and at the end of the day they do very much seem on the same page about issues but question to the audience what side are you on about being friends with exes and holding boundaries or burning bridges i personally i am friends with some of my exes but like distant friends like we are not bffs by any means i don't hang out with them um if i see them it's cordial and we talk that's basically the extent of that um but i know that that can be very uncomfortable i don't know how i would feel about it personally um my last ex-boyfriend was good friends with almost all of his exes and it did make me uncomfortable sometimes because he would get like messages from them like really long about how they still had feelings for him so I was like okay obviously this is a boundary for me and you know if you cross it you cross it but if you do I'm done and um so that was a conversation but I definitely think Jarrett was able to handle that somewhat gracefully i do think he was a bit off with being like oh yeah like if i need them for a position one day and they're in hr it's like okay that's a bit of a stretch bud Mm, yeah it's just it was that didn't sit right with me but again at the end of the day they seem like they're on the same page about important issues and i guess that's all that really matters now on to Deep D and Shake. So it's their date day. Um, I just have to say that Shake is so millennial. Like if there was a way, if you look to look up millennial in the dictionary, it would be, or like Gen Z or whatever, it would be the way Shake talks. He kept saying the word vibey and I say vibes a lot and I'm realizing how annoying that can be just like hearing him say it. And it's funny that he's, like, acting like he knows Diplo or, again, like, trying to make himself seem like this really popular guy. And it obviously stems from a lot of deep insecurities. That's all I have to say. Um, I do have to admit that the caves look so fucking cool. I think it's the best date so far, personally. And I think it's really good that they do have an adventure streak in common. They like to do things. I can totally imagine other people totally freaking out about it. Um, but you can see that they're still struggling with that missing element that he supposedly has made up in his head. 
Um, and then again, the, the way that she got out of the pool, I can relate to. Like, I've, I'm awkward and clumsy, but it did make me uncomfy. I was like, oh, no, 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 no. Um, and it's just embarrassing that, like, cameras always catch your worst. And then they, you know, like, we think of Danielle, like, in the bathroom eating bread. It's like, they can really do these girls and men dirty sometimes. But yeah, super cool date, but it's deep D and shake. So it's, you know, I don't know. I have hope for them, but I don't because I hate him. So it's just like a whole thing, you know? Then we get to the first, like, group meetup, group date, besides, like, when they actually met each other. And I wanted to begin by pointing out that I always forget how fucking tall Nick is. He has to be, like, 6'5", or, like, 6'7", something crazy. Um, beach volleyball looked very fun. I would be one of the people not participating, though. (laughs) Just kidding. I would, but I would be really bad at it, so I can relate to Danielle and, um, Natalie. And then Shane's personality is just straight cocaine. Like, if I can imagine what someone on cocaine would be like, that's Shane, and he should really reapply his sunscreen. And that actually goes for a lot of them. A lot of them were very sunburnt. In fact, everyone I feel like was extremely sunburnt. Um, Natalie and Ayana's awkwardness with playing beach volleyball is so relatable. Um, Danielle was smart to just go for the referee role. Sal and Mal, their fall was the funniest content. And I love how they were able to laugh it off because it looked like it was painful as fuck. Like, I would not blame her at all for crying. I'm pretty sure his head landed on her head. Either way, it didn't look... It didn't look fun. (laughs) And then Shane and Jarrett have, like, a beefcake bromance. Like, they're just giant guys, and they're climbing on top of each other, joking with each other. Like, you can imagine they would be in, like, the same fraternity, and they're also extremely extroverted, which is so interesting because they chose people that are not very extroverted, so that dynamic is super interesting to watch, and I think Ayana's, well, she's clearly realizing how extroverted Jarrett is. She was sitting down. He was saying, like, this is what I am when I go out. I like to have fun. Um, you know, I don't expect you to go out, but I'll always ask. And it could be a very realistic issue for them that he is a bit too much high energy and she isn't. And that preference could show itself. Again, Sal with the ukulele, please stop. Um, and I also noticed that Mal has a missing earring, and this, I noticed it when her and Natalie were, like, having a deep conversation, and the fact that Natalie's just staring at her and not telling her that she's missing an earring, I mean, she probably did and maybe just wasn't shown, but fake friend, Natalie. (laughs) Fake friend. And Natalie's do you want to be murdered line to to Shane is so iconic. I really felt that, because sometimes men just be too much. They can get on your nerves. And Shane should be a little nervous. So, I, I like that she's kind of scaring him and keeping him on her toes a little bit. And then to be a little, because most of this is like frivolous and fun. Everyone's just, you know, shake, put Danielle on his shoulders, which good for Danielle because I would be afraid of his comment. He really seems seems to slash people emotionally with words in his confessional. Um, but Shane told Natalie about what 
Shake had to say about Deeps, about him not being physically attracted to her, obviously Natalie was horrified. And I'm hoping that she'll reveal that information to Deep D because it's very clear that she is way more interested in Shake than he is with her. And that just goes to show when she's talking with Nick and she's like, we've both wanted to have sex completely, but we've held each other back. Whereas he's like, no, I'm purposefully not having sex with her. And it's just incredibly awkward to watch. And that makes it all the more interesting because the very next scene, we go to Deep D and Shake's date night. There's just grabbing dinner. And he starts to initiate the convo about his concerns with physicality with her. And I'm just hoping he can come around to her. He can't seem to get over the blonde, skinny girl partier mentality. And it's really awkward because he's like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to move in with you. I can't wait for this journey to continue. And it's ironic because it's like, even though you're not sexually or physically attracted to her, you want all of these things with her still, like, that doesn't make any sense. <sighs> I just want to shake, shake, literally. Like, you just want to shake and be like, why can't you realize what you have in front of you? Why can't you be appreciative for this? And it's very frustrating. And I don't know. I also wanted to mention how fucking weird being a DJ and a vet is and the way that it actually sounds. I don't know. It's a, it's a weird hobby, weird job, especially for someone like him. I don't know. But that was kind of the summary of their date night. Then we move on to Danielle and Nick's date night. And it was super weird because he goes, nothing is sexier than a Salisbury steak. Um, I don't know about you, but I can think of numerous things sexier than a Salisbury steak, including your fiance right in front of you, but I don't know about that. Um, I, they, you know, they're talking about their animals that they have, the, their pets. She has a cat. He has a dog, specifically a golden doodle, golden doodle, like every other person on this fucking planet. And that's a, you know, I, it's good that they're having this conversation because it would be hard to get your significant other's animal to like you um, or to like each other, for example, when you both have animals that are going to be interacting. But when they, you know, have just lived with their one owner, um, it's going to be difficult, you know, that the new person is going to be taking a lot of attention away from you. And I can see that being difficult. Ultimately, though, I just can't wait for everyone to move in and merge their shit together because that's when it's go time and it should be super interesting. They're going to be seeing a whole new part of each other, how the other lives, which can be a deal breaker for some people. Um, but one thing about Danielle is that she's very emotionally reactive and I think that that is going to be hard for him to navigate and for both of them actually to navigate no doubt about that and they gave each other a hug and that just gave me the ultimate ick like they couldn't get their arms right they couldn't intertwine correctly he kneeled down i don't know it was weird obviously it's not like you're focused on cameras or what it's going to look like so i'm just being nitpicky but yeah no and then, of course, Natalie and Shane have a date night, and he's talking with his mouth open while, you know, food is jammed in it, 
And he's still responding to Natalie, but he's not answering her question, which is weird. Um, and she's saying, like, I would wear a turtleneck when I meet your parents, which is how most girls should think. Like, I know, like, express yourself. You should be able to wear what you want. But also, like, when you're meeting someone's parents, I don't know if it's a good idea to wear something sexy. And it's weird that he would want her to make that impression on his mom, of all people. Like, when you meet someone's mom, especially as if you're going and meeting them as a fiance, which is even stranger, you might want to dress conservatively because all you're looking for is a good impression. And I don't know if wearing something sexy or cleavagey would give that. But something about them together, they really can't match each other's energy. At least that's what I'm getting from this. And it's also very clear that she can't give him that affirmation that he needs because her level of joking about their relationship isn't seeming to be healthy for them because he's clearly insecure about the state of their relationship and he needs constant reassurance and to be told that everything's going well. But I don't know why he feels that she needs to brag about their relationship, though. Like, they're still getting to know each other. And I don't know, like, to be honest, a lot of people don't care to hear about other people's relationships unless it's, like, a bad thing. That's just the truth of it. So, I don't know. But he did have the most juvenile exit. Like, to just say that, I'm done, I'm gonna leave, like, you're 30 or however years old, you should be able to have an open conversation, even if it's a difficult one, and your first response shouldn't be to leave and pout and do whatever. Like, it was really uncomfortable that much, I'll say. But Paradise didn't last long, and we are back in Chicago. We get a quick preview of Shayna. Um, she's very clearly in a crop top, so we already knew that, though. She's not wearing the ring, and they're both being weird, aka her and Kyle. But this is the most realistic I've seen him act. But I know that they will keep running into a wall, which is the analogy that Shayna gave, and it was an accurate analogy. And he's just too willing to compromise. And it's weird. It's like, why are you that willing? Like, what did she give you that made you that confident? I don't know. And then, of course, she's still thinking about Shane. Like, bitch, move the fuck on. Ugh. And it's annoying because it's like, what happened to her being respectful and now she's just not taking a backseat to Natalie's feelings? Like, you need to. It's not just a thing anymore. It's not just like they're talking or simply dating. No, like they're an engaged couple now and you're just a homewrecker. That is point blank period. All there is to know about Shayna. And it's annoying. Um, side note though, before they leave Chicago, we get like a quick snippet of them in their hotel room and i don't know if anyone noticed because again i'm picking up on the small details just for you and their bathtub looks unused like the entire week or however long that they were in mexico it's still filled with like water and roses i don't know if they do that every day but the water was looking yellow and it truly did look like a medieval filth cauldron it was no 
Um, everyone's at the airport and they're calling their parents and their friends to finally let them know that they are coming home and they're coming home as an engaged person, as a fiance, plan to be wedded to marry. Just imagine being on the other end of that phone call. Like, I don't know if they were allowed to tell their parents they were going on a dating show or what exactly the parents or friends knew of the situation, but just thinking to yourself like, oh my God, my child or my best friend is coming home with a significant other that they're going to marry in like four weeks. That is a lot to grasp, a whole hell of a lot, and I can't even imagine Um, that has to be difficult to hear for one thing and two, just like weird and strange. And you're probably extremely doubtful because who the fuck wouldn't it be? So yeah, I can't, but then they're moving into the apartments. Um, Malin Sal is the first one we see. He's wearing a muscle tank, which is just an absolute no. He finally brings up Jarrett. Although he definitely should have done that in Mexico or at least gone more in depth with how he was really feeling. And she revealed that they don't have to get married, I guess, but that was only after speaking to Jarrett. And he feels totally blindsided by this, but she said it and she's not denying it. And it's annoying because all he needs is just some reassurance. And if she can't give that to him or if she's lying to him, like, why can't you be honest? And I'm shocked about how he's approaching it. He's approaching it so calmly, but they're both clearly in their head. And she brought up the ring and you and, you know, how it wasn't the color that she wanted. And the hurt on his face was so palpable. And I just feel so badly for Sal. And she says she can't tell how he feels about her. I mean, that's just shocking because it really couldn't be more obvious. And she's just deflecting. Like, she's just in a state of, I don't want to blame. I don't want to feel bad about my actions. That's just my analysis of it. But that was it. That was the whole episode. Um, I, I was a little more terse this time with my recap, but I will say the preview did make me feel quite uncomfortable as it probably made you feel uncomfortable, but we're halfway done. There's 10 episodes. We have five more to go. Keep hanging on, keep hanging in there. Stick along with me. I hope you're enjoying these and I hope you're enjoying the episodes as much as I am. But until then, I will see you next week for episode six of Love is Blind and you know the drill. It's Ginger Spice and everything nice. All right, see y'all.